step inside into the world of Lady Teal's Curios. Good evening, Curious Minds. Welcome back to another episode of Lady Teal's Curios. I'm your host, Lady Teal. Today, Christy from Soul Sisters Paranormal joins us. The Soul Sisters Paranormal team was founded in 2015 and consists of investigators Christy, Michelle, Ginny, Kara, and Kim. Each member of the team holds an advanced PhD or JD, and they always approach investigations with the utmost respect for the spirits they encounter, as well as the historical integrity of the property they are investigating. Ghost hunting has been considered by many to be a pseudoscience, because most people do not use the scientific method while investigating. I was excited to talk to someone who approaches paranormal research from an academic perspective. I personally have only been on a few ghost tours and never an actual investigation, so speaking with Christy was a treat because she gives us an insider's look on what it's like being a paranormal investigator, what tools they use, and interesting locations to visit with a lot of paranormal activity. The Soul Sisters Paranormal team has been to places like Villisca Axe Murder House, Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary, Old Gilchrist County Jail, Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, and the St. Augustine Lighthouse. We'll get into some of Christy's experiences at these locations, as well as some personal experiences she's had with loved ones. I invite you to kick back, relax, open your mind, and remember, stay curious. Well, why don't you go ahead and tell me how Soul Sisters Paranormal came to be? Okay. Uh, actually, Soul Sisters Paranormal is made up of, it's a team of fe- all female investigators made up of myself, my twin sister, and my younger sister, along with two family friends. And we actually started as a girls trip weekend. Um, we wanted to do something a little bit different. We're all spread out across the country. So we wanted to do something that we could all meet up and that was unique. So we decided on uh, one night or one weekend meeting up in Moundsville, West Virginia and spending the night in the West Virginia State Penitentiary in Moundsville and uh, looked for some ghosts and it was just kind of a fun little thing that we wanted to do something different and the evidence that we found there just blew us away the paranormal evidence so after that investigation we decided to formalize the group and we decided on the name Soul Sisters Paranormal and uh, we were just hooked after that that was in 2014 and we've been doing investigations ever since that's incredible Um, okay so you said the evidence that you saw was so compelling have you always been a believer of ghosts and the paranormal We have, you know, when we we started out, you know, kind of like everybody, um, we all had a a pretty firm belief in that there's something in the afterlife. And, you know, I think ghosts are a part of that. And uh, so we would watch ghost hunters and ghost adventures and and some of the mainstream paranormal shows. And we would kind of talk amongst ourselves saying, you know, why didn't they ask this question? Or why didn't they set up a camera here? Or why didn't they spend more time in this place that they thought was so active? And, And questions like that that we had. And so when we had the opportunity to actually start investigating, we wanted to put some of those questions to the test. And so we come at it with a very scientific approach. We all hold advanced degrees. I hold a PhD in public affairs with an emphasis on criminal justice. So we kind of use that criminal justice background to 
drive our investigations, if you will. So we do, we do a lot of pre-research on the locations that we go to, the, the stories, the history behind the location, and, and then we, we put that to use when we go to the investigations. Um, so if we find in our research that there was a child that was reportedly uh, that, that died in the location, you know, we're going to have trigger items that is going to try to provoke a response out of that child. Um, or we, you know, we knew that there was a smoker in the location, you know, we'll take trigger items um, such as cigarettes and pipes and stuff like that to try to, to get a, elicit a response. So we come at it from a very scientific approach and we've always had that belief to answer your question in a long winded way. We've always had the belief in paranormal, but um, to really formalize it like we have uh, with a paranormal group to us has been just just an, an amazing experience. So, you know, not many people can say that they've spent the, the night in a, a St. Augustine lighthouse or a Revolutionary War fort or a former state penitent penitentiary. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we can say that we've done that. So it's a lot of fun. I went to your website and I saw a list of all the places that you guys have been. You guys have been to a lot of different places. <laughs> we have. It, it, it's definitely an experience. And like I said, you know, it's, it's cool for us because we do live in different parts of the country. You know, when we say, okay, um, you know, we're going to go to, to Iowa, to Villisca, to the Axe Murder House. And, you know, we all meet up in Omaha. You know, it's, it's, it's the, the whole experience, you know, the traveling, the seeing the country, uh, you know, the actual investigation um, and just being together really is, is, is a blast for us. That's awesome. Out of all the places that you've been, what is the most memorable place to you? Uh, well, they've all been extremely memorable just because of the history. To us, the historical aspect is the driving focus behind all of this, because without the history, you're not going to have the paranormal. And so just to, to be in these places um, to us is, has all been memorable. Um, the one that was probably the most unique was Fort Mifflin, just in, 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 sides of, in terms of scope and history, uh, because it was a Revolutionary War fort. So that fort in Philadelphia to us was just amazing. Um, as far as longevity, if you will, the Ma Barker House in Central Florida is, is the one that's really the most near and dear to us because we grew up just five miles from that location. And we've been so far the only team that's been allowed to investigate the house. And so to us, that's that's the, a really cool one. And, and that's the one we hold really near and dear. Um, if you're looking for straight paranormal evidence, um, the old Gilcrest County Jail in Trenton, Florida, uh, that jail is just fraught with paranormal activity. It's fantastic. <laughs> so we've had, we had a blast there. We've done that a couple of times. Um, but really every place has been memorable, memorable to us. Do you ever get scared or freaked out when you're doing <laughs> investigations? <laughs> we, get, we get startled. I'll, I'll tell you that. Um, you know, there's times where you're standing there and like, for example, in Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary, you know, a large former state penitentiary and you hear a door slam and you know that we're all in the same room um, and you hear or you hear a scream from across the complex, you, you do get startled. Um, I can't say that we've actually really been scared per se, because once, once we get into the investigation, it really becomes intriguing. You know, it's, it's kind of like we set up our equipment and it's like, what, do you, what are we going to find? What are we going to feel? Uh, what are we going to hear? So you're really tuned into the investigation at that point. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll say we've definitely been startled on several occasions. 
That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but to us, you know, we actually want to, you know, when we hear a scream or we hear footsteps or a door slam, you know, we're the type that are, are going to run towards it. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, it's just kind of some of these, you know, paranormal shows, obviously they're for entertainment. They're for the sensationalism. Um, but when you see somebody running out of an area, when you're going in to investigate paranormal and you're running out to us, it's a little, you know, it's a little hypocritical. Mm -hmm. So for us, we actually run towards it to see if we can explain it. Um, and if we can't, what we captured. Kind of going along that same train of thought. Um, I know a lot of different paranormal investigators have different reasons as to why they're investigating. Some people are just searching for the evidence because they want to believe but they're huge skeptics or some people just want to know the history for you guys what's your motivation behind it i'd say our motivation is first the historical aspect uh you know again you know being able to stay the night in a revolutionary war for uh, you know a saint augustine lighthouse an old you know gilcrest county jail um to us it really brings the history to life for us if that makes sense mm-hmm. um and it gets us outside of our normal routine it gets us out of you know kind of what we do in our daily lives and really propels us into the historical aspect so for us the history is the driving factor and then also just really kind of trying to find the unknown. Um, you know, we, we call ourselves, you know, skeptics to some extent, you know, which we do try to debunk when we go in um, to a location. As I said before, we really try to use that, that research component. So we always take day trips before we go into a location. So either the day before or the day of the evening that we're going to spend the night there, we go in and and we look at everything. Like, are there street lights around? Where's the nearest road? You know, where's the nearest house? Does the house have dogs? Do we know that? Um, You know, anything that, that during the investigation, if we hear a noise or a sound, we can explain it away as best, as best that we can. And so we really try to put that into focus. So that that's a driving force for us when we go to these locations. Um, So the history first and foremost, and then, you know, trying to validate or debunk some of the paranormal claims that have been happening in these locations. Very cool. I noticed you mentioned um, you've been to the St. Augustine Lighthouse, Mm -hmm. and I believe I listened to another podcast. I think it was History Goes Bump. They went to St. Augustine Lighthouse too, and they had um, some pretty cool experiences. I've been to the St. Augustine Lighthouse like (laughs) five times and never even realized it was haunted at all. Yeah. <laughs> like every when you when I saw that on your page and then I saw that on the other podcast, I was like, what? <laughs> this is crazy. It, it really is. And you know, a, a lot of people and that's that that's kind of, you know, when people go to these historical locations, you know, a lot of them obviously go for the history um, and they don't really realize that there could be lingering entities that are around. And for the St. Augustine Lighthouse, that's definitely the case. Um, you know, they do have uh, some flashlight tours and stuff that they provide, but they do allow paranormal investigators to go in and spend the night. And for us, it's a very unique location. We've, we've investigated there twice. It's a unique location, obviously, because you go up rather than out. So for like Fort Mifflin or Brushy Mountain or some of these larger penitentiaries, you know, you spread out and you've got that. But it was a challenge for us because we had to figure out how to set up our equipment going up the levels of the lighthouse. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we had uh, uh, night vision cameras, we had voice recorders. Since you've been there, obviously, you know, there's an echo. So we had to account for all of that. Um, 
So to us, we love going to the lighthouse. Um, the stories that we were investigating were the stories of some of the lighthouse keepers that are said to stay in the lighthouse keeper's cottage there, as well as the young girls who are said to have um, died in a accident. They were in a, uh, like a, not a mine car, but it was a, it looked like a little mine car that ran equipment from the lighthouse down to the water. And they were playing in that one day and the, the car broke loose from its track and ran into the water it overturned and they drowned and they were killed and um so their spirits are said to inhabit that playground that's right there um by the the, the keeper's cottage so we wanted to investigate that and kind of see if we could validate some of those claims and both of the loca both times that we've been to that location we've captured some very compelling par paranormal evidence um when we were in the keeper's cottage uh we had a, a very intense flashlight session um you know we smelled the smell of cigars we have evps we have evps of children children. Um, we have a couple of women um, that were talking in the in the tower itself. So to us, it's a very compelling location with regard to paranormal evidence. Um, and, and another thing that we do is when we go to these locations, we don't just use one piece of equipment. You know, we use several different pieces of equipment because, you know, there are skeptics out there that, well, you know, the flashlights can be rigged or, you know, I don't believe in, in the spirit box or, you know, I don't believe in this or that. So what we try to do is we try to really build a case using different pieces of equipment. And we were able to do that at the lighthouse. You know, like I said, we had a very cool um, flashlight session. We had EVPs that we captured. Um, we had a REM pod session that was very cool. So we really try to validate what we're experiencing on multiple pieces of equipment. So we do have that more concrete, um, uh, you know, evidence, if mm -hmm. you will. Uh, could you explain a little bit how a spirit box works? Sure, absolutely. Um, so what the spirit box is, it's, it's generally speaking, it's an AM FM radio that has been um, configured to very quickly sweep through frequencies. So either AM or FM, turning it on and you hit the little sweep button and it essentially, it, it goes through frequencies. So what you hear when you just turn it on is you hear the as it runs through frequencies. And the idea is that spirits are able to speak through that white noise. Mm. So when you set it up, you're, you're, in most cases, when you have that sweep on, you're not supposed to hear like straight sentences, like you and I talking, because it's going through radio frequencies so quickly, sentences or phrases are, are very uncommon because it's sweeping through those radio frequencies. So when you set it up and you hear words or sentences that string together, it, to us, that's very compelling. And I'll give you an example. When we were at the Ma Barker house, um, the, the, the history behind the Ma Barker house is it's, it's a two-story house. And in the upstairs bedroom in 1935, two gangsters from the area, Ma Barker and her son, Freddie, were holed up in, in one of the rooms up there. The FBI surrounded the house and they killed them in a shootout. And it's, it, it's still the longest shootout in FBI history. So those two gangsters were killed. And so when we investigated the house, we had the spirit box up in that room and we had it running and we came back into the area. And as soon as we came back into the room, the spirit box said, someone's up here. Now, because it's sweeping so, so fast through frequencies, you should never hear a phrase because obviously you would have to get those frequencies lined up to say for radio DJs or whatever to say someone's up here. Mm -hmm. And to us, that's, that's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, they, when they rented the house, Ma and Fred, they rented the house under the name Blackburn and we we're standing in the room and I asked the spirit box, I said, if anybody's here, 
can you say the name Blackburn? And the name Blackburn came through the spirit box, through those, those frequencies. And I can't think of any radio station in the world that would say Blackburn, um, you know, when I'm asking this thing to say Blackburn. So to me, that was a very, very compelling piece of evidence. Um, you know, they're, they're just little radios about this size. And so they're not going to pick up, you know, worldwide frequencies. They're going to be very specific to the area. But when you have um, uh, the spirit box, like I said, at Mont Barker's that are saying phrases that are germane to our situation, to me, that is extremely compelling. So when you are out doing your investigations, um, are you going to places that you guys just choose that are interesting or do you have people actually contact you and they're like hey I think my house is haunted can you come help me we do both um so we started out and we, and we still do we go to these larger commercial locations such as you know um Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum or West Virginia State Penitentiary um, or Fort Mifflin because we really want to build our portfolio we want to put our equipment to the test uh, and, and really find out if we can validate some of these experiences that other people are reporting. So we do that strictly for our, uh, you know, our own enjoyment. We do put them on uh, on YouTube as videos, but we do that for our enjoyment. And uh, like I said, to really build that portfolio. But we also have residents that call us and say, hey, can you come investigate my location? Can you come investigate my house, um, my business? We've had a, a couple instances where um, people have called that says, hey, I think something's going on in my store. Can you come and and check it out for us. So we do do that. Um, for privacy reasons, we really don't release a lot of that mm -hmm. unless they tell us, you know, hey, I, I give you permission to. And we have a couple of, of snippets on our website of residential investigations or business investigations, um, but we don't really put forth a full length video on those. Right. Um, but, uh, and then again, you know, to keep the, the girls trip aspect, you know, we, we do go to larger investigations. Um, we try to do at least three a year, three or four. Um, and like I said, we're talking Villisca, Fort Mifflin, um, the Exchange Hotel. And these are places that we can just meet up and actually have that, that still maintain that girls weekend experience, um, as well as do a, a very cool paranormal investigation. If somebody was to ask um, you to come to, over to their house and help out, what do you think like the end goal is? Is it to like get the ghosts or the spirits to the other side to help them or just to help that resident understand that, yeah, there is somebody living with you and it's okay. <laughs> They're not going to bother you. <laughs> we kind of do a mix of both. Um, and, but before I answer, I will say, you know, we're not demonologists, uh, you know, we're not mediums. We don't profess to actually help people cross over. That's really not what we do. Um, we go for more of the peace of mind um, or, you know, if, if they do want that validation, that is something going on, that they're not crazy. Uh, you know, we really, we really, that's what our, goal is with these residentials. Now, if there is something that is, say, demonic or a, a darker entity, if you will, we will direct them to some experts. So we have demonologists that we know. We'll direct them to those if they want to get rid of that entity. Um, you know, several of the residents that we've gone to, you know, they say, okay, that's that's all we needed. You know, we just wanted to kind of know that we weren't going crazy <laughs> and they never heard us. Uh, you know, it's just, it's kind of interesting to us that we come home and a picture's off the wall and, uh, you know, but it's, it's never been anything evil or negative towards us. So we're, we're cool saying that we live in a haunted house. Uh, so we've had, we've had those type of residents as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, it, that's kind of what they, they look for is just kind of that validation that, you know, somebody believes them that they're not going crazy and that we can really back it up with some of our equipment. 
have you ever had um and a very profound supernatural experience to you that kind of changed your life course or made you into the person you are today? <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say change me in the, as, as it made me the person I am today. Um, you know, when somebody asked me kind of that, that same question, um, my grandfather, my granddaddy died in 1986 and he and my Nana, you know, they were, to, they were married for 30 some years you know, they, they really loved each other. Um, he died a little bit younger, but it was in 1986. And my, my Nana, um, in, uh, this was about two and a half years ago. Uh, she was in, she wasn't, she was mobile. I mean, she lived in a, in a, a healthcare facility, um, but she was mobile. She drove and all of that. And I had a dream that my granddaddy came to me and it was it, the first night it happened. It was, I woke up in a cold sweat. To me, it was almost a nightmare. Granddaddy came to me and he looked at me and he just moaned. And then he turned and walked out of the wall. And, uh, to me, I woke up, I, I called my mom, I said, I, you know, I had this nightmare about granddaddy. And she's like, Oh, you know, it, whatever. And uh, so it happened that same exact dream happened three nights in a row. And it was a very, very vivid dream to me. So I called my mom again, I said, Listen, this is happening over and over. And my mom said, Why don't you just ask him what he wants? So in the dream, the fourth night, I did, I said, you know, granddaddy, what do you want? And uh, he looked at me and said, I'm waiting for your Nana, you're going to be getting a call soon. And about a week later, she tripped and fell and, and completely crushed her hip. And she had surgery, but she never recovered really from that. So we actually ended up putting her into hospice. And, uh, and so when she passed, uh, the day that she passed, I got permission from my family. The day that she passed, within, the, within two hours, um, I told my sister, I said, Nana is going to meet up with granddaddy. I know the location because I knew it from the dream. It was in his office in the, in their house. I said, I know where they're going. Uh, let's go. So we took our equipment and, uh, the power had been off in the house because we had moved her into that, that, uh, long care uh, facility. So the power was off in the house. There's no power. We went into the office and we both had K2 meters. And, uh, and so we started asking questions, you know, Nana, are you here? And our K2 meters were going crazy again, no power. Um, and these K2 meters measure electromagnetic magnetic energy. And uh, we verified that none of nothing, we had no cell phones on us, nothing that could cause those spikes in our meters. And so we started asking questions. Jenny had a gray meter and mine was black. And we said, you know, can you go to the gray meter? And the meter would go off. Can you go to the black meter? The meter would go off. And so basically we started asking questions, you know, Nana, are you with granddaddy? And the meters would go off. Are you happy? The meters would go off. Um, and so that to us was extremely compelling. And so we went back after the funeral, we went back that next week and nothing, not a blip on any of our equipment, not, you know, uh, nothing. It was completely silent and still in the house. And to me, that really brought me peace that, you know, Nana was she met up with my granddaddy, which, you know, to me is very cool that if you're permitted when you die to meet up with somebody that is going to make that transition easier. Mm -hmm. uh, that to me really brought peace to me um, because I knew that they were together and that they, that they had crossed over wherever that is had crossed over together. Um, and to me, that was a very profound moment in my life. That's, that's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very I, cool story. Yeah. I, um, I had an aunt that passed away and literally the day after she passed away, I had a dream about her and I hadn't talked to her in a very long time. She 
like we weren't super close and um, she lived in Virginia. I live in Georgia. So we didn't see each other very often, mm -hmm. but in the dream, she came up to me and she just gave me a hug and she was like, I just want you to know I'm okay. And, mm -hmm. and I was like, that was the best dream I could have had after she passed. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it really is. And, you know, in my mind, you know, dreams are, are sleeping is when you're the most vulnerable. You know, that's when you're the most open. That's when you're not affected really by the pressures of the day. And you're, you're really your true self in your sleep state. And so in order to see that, in order to experience that, I mean, that that's a gift. It really is for you to have had that dream um, and that, they were comfortable enough to, to come to you and that you were receptive enough to really understand what you were experiencing. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So I know you guys have been to so many places. Um, what would you say your favorite three places are? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, let's just take it from paranormal evidence. Um, okay. We'll go from that. We'll start with that. Um, in terms of paranormal evidence, the first one is the old Gilcrest County Jail. And I was fortunate enough to investigate that with um, a very great colleague of ours, um, Miranda Young from Ghost Biker Explorations. She and I were the only two females or the only two people in this location. And uh, we were getting everything from EVPs to um, we we're being touched. We had doors slammed, our REM pods were going off. You know, we caught some interesting figures on our SLS camera. So every piece of equipment we had that night validated every other piece of equipment. So in, in, in if I want to say a true investigation where everything was going off and everything was being manipulated by something that we can't understand, it, Old Gilcrest County Jail in Trenton, Florida. Um, the next one would be Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary. We've been there twice. Um, the evidence there just really blew us away. Uh, you know, again, probably the best example of footsteps that I've ever captured, we captured there, um, you know, EVPs, screams, door knocks, door slams, um, responses, you know, direct responses to us. We were getting those. So Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary would be number two. And then I'd say Fort Mifflin in, in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. um, that was the one location where we actually set up some stationary night vision cameras as well as a laser grid. And that night we actually caught a, a very cool shadow figure that walked through the laser grids when nobody was around um, oh. in a, this, this subterranean um, uh, cell that used to be a solitary confinement cell. We had set up a laser grid and, and a, a night vision video camera inside the doorway. So we can verify that nobody crossed through that. Um, so it's, it was a, and it's still the best piece of evidence that the fort has ever had. Also, I know that they show that the docents show that um, when people ask about paranormal evidence that they, mm -hmm. they show that clip from us. So that those three, I think would round out um, my favorite places for investigation. Um, just for historical aspects, um, I would say the Exchange Hotel in Gordonsville, Virginia, just because of the extreme history, it was a hospital, it was a hotel that was transformed transformed into a hospital during the Civil War. So it saw both Union and Confederate soldiers. So they have over seven, 700 confirmed deaths in that hospital slash hotel. And the paranormal evidence was just very cool there as well. But the history was what really drew us to that location. Um, and then, you know, Villisca, that was a great place to go for the history and just, um, you know, what happened there. And plus, you know, 
going out to Iowa was fun for us. And then, um, you know, I'd probably say back to Fort Mifflin for the history as well, just because, you know, you, you have the, the American Revolution was fought there and you can still see bullet holes from that. It's, it's a very cool experience. So That's cool. Yeah, I'd say those. What about your bucket list? Where are some places you'd like to go? Uh, the one place I'm really trying to get to is Leap Castle over in, uh, in Ireland. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the problem is getting all of my equipment there. So <laughs> I'm very particular about how my equipment travels. So putting all of that on an airplane is kind of nerve wracking to me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that's one place I want to go. I would love to get over to Ireland and England, Scotland, and, and do some of those, uh, investigate some of the castles over there and some of the legends that are, that are over there. That'd be fantastic. Um, there's a jail in, uh, in Australia that I've actually been to, but not as a paranormal investigator. And I would love to get down there and, and, and do that jail again. Um, but uh, a, a lot of the places, um, uh, or international that I'd like to go, but there's some very cool places here in, in the States. Um, there's a fort in Texas that I would love to get to. Um, the USS Yorktown in Charleston is on my bucket list as well. We're going to try to get over to that. Um, but uh, yeah, there's just so many extraordinary places, um, you know, whether just large, like, like I said, more commercial, like a Fort Mifflin or a, a, a Trans Allegheny. Um, but we really love those, those little historical gems as well, you know, like the Trenton County Jail or the old Gilchrist County Jail or the Exchange Hotel that, you know, people see, oh, you know, it's just a house, but it has so much history. And that's, that's what's very cool about what we do, you know, is really finding those historical facts and, and those details that some people might not even know about. And, and to be able to share that and people say, Oh, you know, I never knew about that. That to us is a very cool aspect of what we do. Yeah. That's one of the things that kind of got me into learning about paranormal is the history. Mm -hmm. Um, I imagine going over to Europe, you would find a lot more history, maybe even see some ghosts from further back than you do here in the States. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And, you know, I've I've been to London several times and, you know, to, to go into places like Westminster Abbey and, and, you know, and to, to um, Stratford on Avon where, where Shakespeare was and to just know that you're in that location where, you know, hundreds of years ago, these people stood and wrote and worked and lived. Uh, To me, that's just an amazing, amazing thing. Um, And, uh, you know, I would love to get over there and do those places in Europe. But again, you know, here in the States, you have that as well. You know, the the intense fighting of the Civil War, you know, you can't tell me that all of that emotion and all of that energy and and, and all of that despair, um, Mm -hmm. that has to go somewhere, that has to be somewhere. Uh, so it's no wonder that places like Gettysburg or Antietam or Chickamauga is, is just fraught with, you know, ripe with paranormal activity uh, just because of the emotions that were there. Have you had a chance to explore Georgia at all? Any haunted places up here? <laughs> Not yet. I'm, I'm obviously, I'm, I'm from Florida. Um, I'm in Tennessee right now. I'm doing the lockdown thing with my friend here in Tennessee. Nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, there are several places that, I, that I'd love to get to in Georgia. Um, there's some, uh, some houses that have been abandoned that I'd love to get to, but haven't really, haven't done it yet. Just need to get it on the list. Right. There's, I've been to Savannah multiple times and mm-hmm. never had anything happen, always hoped, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then in Marietta, we have a ton of, uh, civil war history. And I know like there's always people talking about hauntings, um, around Kennesaw battlefield and mm-hmm. all of that. So there's a, a lot of civil war history here mm-hmm. in Georgia. So yeah. I'm sure you, you'd have 
plenty to do and explore. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, and it, that's like that in every state. You know, every state has uh, has a place that you can have multiple places that you can go to. And you know, for me, you know, when we went up to um, to Gettysburg, we were actually we went to the Lizzie Borden house mm. uh, last year. I'm working on that video now. Actually, very excited. And uh, so we took we made it a road trip. So um, actually, Miranda Young from Ghost Biker Explorations was with up on that investigation as well. So she and I drove from Tennessee up to uh, up to Massachusetts and we stopped for a night in Gettysburg and uh, you know just walking around um, with a voice recorder on some of those battlefields it's very interesting what you get you may not call it a full-scale investigation but just walking around and talking and I mean if you go back and listen to that voice recorder there's a high probability that you may get something very unexpected. And that's what happened to us. And we'll be revealing that um, in our next video. And, uh, you know, we did the same thing at Fort Mifflin. We stopped there on the way over to Massachusetts and it was a day tour. And we just had a voice recorder running with us. We were the only two people there that day. It was a colder day. So there was not a lot of tourists out. It was a weekday. And uh, we we're in one of the casemates and we were just talking and we captured a voice behind us, a male voice, which, you know, to us is extremely compelling because there's no males with us. And, uh, you know, just hearing a voice recorder into some of these locations, even if you're doing a day tour, you can really capture some very compelling evidence. Um, it, the, the problem is not a lot of people have the patience to listen. And, uh, you know, that, that is one thing about paranormal investigations. And if somebody were, tr were going to get into this, the one thing that I would say is you have to have patience, you know, because we go to these locations and we set up, you know, seven or eight voice recorders and, and 10 to 12 night vision video cameras, and they run for 10, 12 hours. We sit and listen and watch every piece of, of footage and, and audio recordings that we capture. Um, and it, it, it takes a lot, it's like fishing, you know, you'll be listening mm -hmm. for four hours and not hear a thing. And then all of a sudden you get a class A EVP and that's just because you've listened. Uh, so that, that is the biggest thing. Just, just actually sit and listen to any voice recorder that you take. So, um, how many years did you say that you guys have been doing this? Formally since 2014. Okay. Uh, and as a hobby, how long would you say? Uh, probably about two or three years before that. Uh, you know, we just, like I said, we just did these one-off investigations and it was literally just a, a couple of digital cameras and some voice recorders and we'd go to some different locations. Um, but really f under, under the Soul Sister name and brand and all of that um, since 2014. One of the things that I find really hard is the EVPs. Like I, mm -hmm. anytime somebody plays an EVP, they're like, oh, did you hear that? It, they said mom or they said a specific mm -hmm. word. And I will replay it so many times. And I'm like, I don't hear it. I do mm -hmm. not hear it. So I'm guessing it takes, like you said, practice, patience. And like, how, what would you recommend if you're wanting to train your ear to hear those EVPs? Uh, you know, again, it really is just to listen. Um, and, and, you know, there are people that, that say, hey, I don't hear what you're putting out on your videos. And that's fine. You know, I'm not trying to convince anybody. I'm not mm -hmm. trying to to say this is, you know, the end all be all of paranormal evidence. You know, we just put it out there. And if, if you can hear it, great. If you can't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just putting it out there. Um, to us, it's compelling because I can't explain it. Um, but when I sit down and, and review evidence, what I do is I just put the raw file in. So just say a voice recorder that ran for 10 hours. Mm -hmm. I put the raw file on my laptop. I put on my headphones and I just sit and listen. And again, most of the time it is just silence. And when I hear a whisper, I mean, it is to me, when it breaks that silence, it is 
you know, it's there. Um, and, you know, some of them are very faint and a lot of them I don't even put out, you know, when we went to Fort Mifflin and a couple of the other locations, there's seven or eight EV, other EVPs that we captured that I didn't put on the video just because they were so faint or I couldn't really tell what they were saying or what I, what I think they're saying. Um, so if, in that respect, I really don't put that stuff out. Um, but honestly, it really is to train your, your ear, if you will, you just have to sit and listen. Um, because I guarantee if you're listening to, to three hours of silence, you know, and it, at hour three and minute four, something whispers, you will hear it. Uh, again, whether or not that translates into somebody else hearing it, uh, I don't know. Uh, that's why, you know, when I try, when I put my videos together, I try to leave four or five seconds of the silence. So when, when the EVP plays, hopefully people can hear that. Um, but, you know, to me, it's, it's, again, it's just one of those things that it just kind of came naturally, if you will, once you really start listening and, and getting into the, into the audio recordings. I have a friend, a fellow podcaster, and she lives in a haunted house, oh, nice. um, and she's been getting some weird activity on her podcasts. Oh, wow. And it's turning, like, it's not a voice, but, so I've listened to it, I've sent it to several other people, and, like, we can't make anything out of it. She's convinced mm -hmm. it's whatever is haunting <laughs> her thing, her room, mm -hmm. but, um, it doesn't come on her recordings as a voice. It's, it just comes on as like static. Oh, wow. So it's hard trying to figure out like what, you know, most people that would listen to that, they're, they're like, oh, that's just your microphone messing up or, you know, but we've like, we've gone through everything. We were like, are you moving your mic? Are you moving your computer? Are you doing this? And she's <laughs> like, no, like I, my setup is the same all the time. I don't touch anything and she's getting these little faint static noises every podcast. So, and, and that, that could actually be energy, energy manipulation. I mean, you know, when, when we have what we call the K2 sessions, that is energy being manipulated. So it, it doesn't have to be a voice. It doesn't have to be a shadow. It doesn't have to be a, you know, footsteps, disembodied footsteps or anything. It could actually be energy that is just playing with her microphone. You know, I, I would suggest she either sets out a, um, a voice recorder at the same time, or if she can, you know, get by a K2 meter or something like that, set it down kind of somewhere where her, her setup isn't affecting it, kind of do like a sweep to see where the, the boundaries are and set the K2 up and see if it, it, uh, it, it manipulates as well, you know, just kind of see if you can validate it on some other pieces of equipment. But no, it's not, to me, it sounds like energy manipulation for sure. Very cool. Yeah. What's, what's your take, speaking of equipment, what's your take on the ghost radar app? <laughs> Personally, for me, I don't use apps. Um, I, I think that it could be just, there's just so many things that can affect it. I mean, you, most of the time you have to have the Wi-Fi on or you have to have the, the, the data on and it just, things to me can affect that. I'm, I'm kind of more of a purist, uh, mm -hmm. I guess you would say with regard to research. Um, to me, the very best piece of equipment is the EV is the, the uh, audio recorders, because to me, EVPs, I mean, those are just, they're, they're difficult to debunk sometimes, especially the ones that we get. Um, and then moving on from that, I would say probably 
you know, the audio, the, the visual that we get, and then the, the REM pod, and then the spirit box. Um, for me, I just, I, I've never really gotten into using apps, um, just because we've captured so many other compelling things on our other equipment. Um, I, to, but that's just me personally. I'm not trying mm -hmm. to disparage anybody that uses apps or any other piece of equipment. Uh, that's just me personally. I don't use them. That's kind of along the same lines of what I was thinking to me. I, I, I was thinking there's too much that could interfere with it that yeah. could give you a false reading. So why would you? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, you know, like for us, you know, the, the thing that is kind of cool about soul sisters is because we all, we are an all female team. When we capture a male voice or a child's voice, it's very easy for me to say that is not one of us. Uh, you know, if, if you watch our video from the exchange hotel, there's two very good examples of EVPs there. One is of an old man and there are no men anywhere near this place. Um, it's, it's an old man saying, I don't know, I'll be back at 430. And then there's a child that's saying, hi, this is my bed. And it is, it's extremely compelling because I can honestly say that is not one of us. There's no kids, there's no males. So that, that is very cool when we can capture that type of evidence. Um, you know, so again, for me, the, the voice recorder is the best piece of equipment that we have. Mm -hmm. We have, you know, we have 10 of them at this point and then followed by our, our video cameras. Um, and then moving on to the, the K2s, the spirit boxes, the REM pods. And, and, you know, again, I, I, we don't use those as just standalone pieces of equipment. If we're in a location and the REM pod goes off, okay, that's great. And I, and I think that's compelling, but when I can also say, I've got the spirit box also saying these words. I've got the K2 over here that's going off on command. I've captured some EVPs and I caught a shadow figure. You put that all together and I, I can't explain that. So to me, that makes the, the, the evidence from the REM pod, the spirit box, the K2 and the, the audio and visual equipment that much more compelling. In your work doing all of this, um, have you let me think how to phrase this because my <laughs> mind's going a million different directions yeah, but, um do you believe that what you're interacting with is all ghosts or all spirits or are you one of those investigators that also believes that could be interdimensional beings or some other being that you aren't really sure of <laughs> for, for me based on what we have witnessed what we've experienced um, my belief is that these were beings, um, that these were humans at some point, and for some reason they haven't crossed over. And, and I'll say it right out. I'm a Christian. I believe in God. I believe in an afterlife. I believe in heaven. Um, and But the paranormal field to me actually strengthens that belief and enforces that belief. Um, so I, I believe that after you die, that your energy has to go somewhere. And I think that some of these beings, for whatever reason, haven't crossed over yet, whether they're afraid to, um, whether they have some unfinished business, you know, as everybody says, unfinished business, mm -hmm. uh, or whether they're actually stuck, uh, you know, and they, they don't know the way to get to wherever we go next. Um, so for me, you know, I, I do feel that most of what we interact with were humans at some point. And I say that because of the evidence that we captured. Um, that we have captured, you know, for example, when we went to Fort Mifflin, you know, one of the reports is that there was uh, in, in that small subterranean uh, solitary confinement cell, there was a guy in the Revolutionary War, he was held there for weeks in this 
dark cell, dank cell by himself as, as solitary confinement. And he ended up, they ended up hanging him for treason. And, uh, you know, when we went down there, we actually treat what we're looking for as human. So we took water, we took some cigarettes down there. And, uh, you know, during our EVP sessions, you know, I said, we left you some water and we left you a cigarette. And very clearly, I got a male voice saying, thank you. Mm -hmm. And I think, I, I think the way we handle things by treating them as human, if you will, is it, it, it lets them interact with us on a personal level, if that makes sense. Because, I mean, think about it. In our, in our real world right now, people want to be acknowledged. Humans want to be acknowledged. They don't want to be alone, most of us. You know, we want that interaction. We want that connectivity. And so when we go in and, and we say, hey, I, ex I respect you for what you, who you were, and I'm acknowledging that you're here. Here's some water. Here's some cigarettes. Um, and I'm just acknowledging you as a person, that to me is, is what kind of allows us to catch some of the evidence that we do. Because we do, we get a lot of thank yous. Um, we get a lot of, can you help me's? Um, we get a lot of, I'm here's um, in, in our investigations and our evidence. And, and to me, it's because we have that respect, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, so to answer your question in a very long-winded way, <laughs> I, I do believe the majority of things that we interact with were humans at some point. Um, now, is that to say that, that there aren't demonic entities out there? No. But again, I'm not a demonologist and I'm not going to look for evil. Mm -hmm. um, so when we go to these locations and somebody says, oh, there's a demon there, Okay, that's great information to know. I'm not going in to look for that demon entity. I'm not going in to provoke. We we never provoke. Um, you know, there are some instances where we say, you know, oh, you know, you like to beat women or whatever, but that was a fact. You know, when you're in a jail mm -hmm. and you know that there was a rapist or a, a woman, a murderer there that murdered women, you know, that's a fact. Um, so we don't go in and provoke. We don't say, you know, come and beat us up or anything like that. Um, so I think our approach is what leads us to capture some of the evidence that we do. Interesting. Do any of you get affected by like nausea or any other symptoms when you go on properties? I've heard from other investigators that, you know, they might, they might feel chills down their arm or cold, or they might feel sick to their stomach. And I know every person is different. So how do you guys react? Uh for me personally, one of the, the tells, if you will, that I get is my right leg will start to go numb or cold. Mm. And I'll say, okay, I think there's something here. I'm, I'm feeling my leg. Um, there have been some instances where we'll get nauseous. So we'll say, you know, I, I, there, in fact, um, on the Velisca X murder house video, um, my younger sister, Michelle, we were in the room where the kids were killed. And, you know, if you're not familiar with the Velisca X murder house, all of the, the, the occupants of the house were bludgeoned to death multiple times. They were hit with an ax multiple times in the face. And so Michelle was in where the in the room where the kids were killed and she's sitting there and she said, Oh my gosh, I just got this pounding headache. And right behind that, there's a, an EVP that says, I didn't do that, which was kind of cool to us. So, um, you know, we've been affected like that, not to the point where, um, you know, we're physically sick, like, like vomiting or anything like right. that. Um, but, uh, you know, there are instances where we feel, okay, I, I kind of need to get out of here for a minute. And once we leave the area, we're fine. You know, once Michelle yeah. left that room, she was fine. So we do have some of those tells. Yes. 
Yeah. I, I think that would be so cool. Like I said, I haven't personally <laughs> experienced that. <laughs> we got to get you on an investigation. We, you got you got to come with us at some point. I need to come hang with you guys. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We'd love it. We'd love that. So, and you're not too far. You're in Georgia. So. Yeah. Have you seen any apparitions before? I know you mentioned shadow people. Um, and if you do see apparitions, are they typically in period wear or is it just like a shadow or misty form? The, the ones that we've seen physically have been more of a shadow form or just like a quick, you know, what was that? Um, the one we captured on the Fort Mifflin video, it, it, it's a shadow that crosses the laser grid. And, and to us, if you look at the scale, the door inside that room was probably about five and a half to six feet. So that shadow crosses over that. So it was a pretty big shadow. Again, I can't explain it and nobody at Fort Mifflin could. Um, so the, we, we see shadows. Um, there's been a couple times where we'll see like a mist. Um, but the, the Holy Grail that I'm looking for, you know, people ask me what would be my Holy Grail. And it is actually to see an apparition and I can tell what that apparition, who that apparition is. Like, for example, you know, seeing Robert E. Lee and, mm -hmm. and I say, okay, whoa, there he is. That's Robert E. Lee. That to me would be my Holy Grail. But uh, the apparitions that we've seen so far have mostly been the shadow figure um, or the quick like mist. Um, we captured a mist at Hales Bar Dam in uh, in Tennessee. Uh, we captured it on video, which is kind of cool. It just kind of floats through the room hmm. and, and we can't explain that. Um, so th those are the kind of things that we've seen. Um, but, you know, most of a lot of what we hear, a lot of what we capture is audio. So, you know, when you're in um, West Virginia State Penitentiary, you know that you're the only people there. You're all in the room together and a cell door slams. And we're talking big, heavy, you know, mm -hmm. steel doors. When one of them slams, that's, that's pretty compelling because that takes a lot of energy to do. Um, so as far as apparitions, we've mostly seen shadows, but uh, the other stuff is, is actually compelling as well. Very nice. Do you have any upcoming projects that you're excited to work on? Uh, we actually came off an investigation uh, three weeks ago. Uh, we were in uh, Mississippi. Again, we collaborated with uh, Miranda Young from Ghost Biker Exploration. So we investigated a funeral home and a jail in Kosciuszko, Mississippi. So uh, we're going through all of that evidence review right now. Um, uh, so we, we've got those videos coming up. We've got the Lizzie Borden video coming up. I hope to have that done hopefully in the next week or so. Um, so that'll be done. Um, we've had some investigations obviously put on hold because right. of what we're going through. Um, we, at, we're supposed to uh, present at a symposium at Arkansas State University. That's been on hold, unfortunately. Um, we are going out to some paracons um, out west in New Mexico. Hopefully we'll be doing those still there in October and September. Mm -hmm. So um, that's kind of what we have lined up right now. Um, but right now, because of what's going on, all of the investigations have kind of been pushed back. So the timeframes are a little uncertain right now. Right. But we do have investigations coming up. That's awesome. Yeah. When you're doing symposiums, like the one that you mentioned, um, do you get like a lot of students or people who are very skeptic and give you a hard time? <laughs> you know, most of the time, no. I mean, we do have those that, you know, well, how can you believe that? And, and, and my answer is, again, this is my belief. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to force it on anybody. It's just like trying to force religion on somebody. I'm not going to do that. So this is what I'm telling you. We do. We go in, we set this up. 
there's compelling evidence that I can't explain, I can't debunk it, and that's what we put out. If you want to believe it, great. If you if, if you don't, great. that's fine with me too. You're not going to hurt my feelings at all. Um, so we we get a lot of debates. I think because um, you know we we do come from that uh, that research and that that uh, academic background. Mm-hmm. You know, I was I was a college professor for years. My sister's still a college professor. You know, we've got two lawyers on the team. We've got a, a, a high school English and history teacher on the team. So we really come at it. We we want the debate. You know, we want people to debate us and say, hey, you know, what about this and that? Because we love that dialogue. Um, so that's typically what we get. We really don't get a lot of naysayers. Um, and if we do, we, we shut them down pretty quickly. <laughs> believe what you want this it's you're not going to hurt our feelings yeah <laughs> so uh but uh, yeah going to symposiums like this going to paracons giving talks and speeches it, it's just we are we are excited to do that because you know we are really passionate about this about the history about the locations and about the evidence that we've captured i think the paranormal community is just so loving and fun and everybody that I've met and it has always just been super helpful and it's like a huge when you get a bunch of paranormal people together they just want to help collaborate and you know listen to each other's stories and evidence and all of that so I love it <laughs> you know I agree and and for the most part we are it's just it's because it's one of those things and, and I keep saying this uh, you know everybody that I talk to we're in a community yeah we're a subculture but we're we're tight subculture. Mm-hmm. And, but we do things that nobody's ever going to have the answer. Nobody's ever going to have that right answer. You know, it, it's not like something, it's not like gravity that we can prove, Hey, this is real. Um, you know, all we can do is put forth con- some compelling evidence and, and, you know, my way isn't the best way. Another investigators isn't the best way. It's not, you know, the worst way. It, it's just our way. And, uh, you know, when, when you have teams saying, well, you know, I would do this differently. Perfect. That's great. Do it because that's what makes this unique. Um, you know, I can set up my equipment at, you know, Brush Mountain State Penitentiary and you can go the next night and set up the exact same equipment in the exact same place and you will never catch the evidence that I captured in the manner in which I caught it. You know, you may have, you may have an EVP, you may have a shadow figure, you may have footsteps, but you know, the, the fact that I captured it this way and you captured it that way is just, that's what makes it really unique. Um, you know, yeah, you'll capture evidence, I'll capture evidence, but it won't, it will never be the exact same evidence, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what makes this so, such a, a, a cool um, community to be involved in because, you know, all we do is put forth evidence to build, you know, our cases and uh, you can do it any way. Uh, you can do it what's unique to you. And that's, that's what I think is really cool about it. What would you say is one of the most important lessons you've learned in your journey doing this? <laughs> uh, you know, just again, to have that open mind um, and, and to really just kind of hone what you do. Again, what we start when we started, we had a, a couple of voice recorders and a couple of digital recorders. Um, and if you're going to be invested in this, you have to know one, this is not a cheap hobby. I mean, you'll go through hundreds of dollars and just batteries alone. So, <laughs> you know, this isn't a cheap hobby. And if you're dedicated to it, um, you know, you need to make sure that you give it justice. It's just, you, d- you don't want to be one of those people that in, in my mind, you don't want to be one of those people that go in and, and say, okay, I'm here at Brushy. You hear a door slam and you run out screaming. And, and that's, you know, kind of how you sell 
what you do. Um, again, you know, there is sensationalism, there is an entertainment value to this. You know, we wouldn't be putting out videos if we didn't want to entertain people. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I, I think in some instances, some of the paranormal shows, they kind of do a disservice to what we do. Um, you know, you have ghost adventurers or ghost hunters, and people think that this is a, a, a 60 minute deal. You know, you go in for 60 minutes, you find some evidence, you put together a TV show and you're done. That's not how this works. I mean, <laughs> we're in the location 10, 15 hours. And, you know, again, once we get done with that investigation and most of it's sitting around, it's just sitting there in the dark, essentially talking to yourself um, and, and trying to get a response from something. And sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. Um, and, and then to go back to and, and listen and watch all of the footage that you captured, it's a long time. I mean, it takes me probably about two months from investigation to a video release. And, you know, that is just a lot of time going through all of this. So I think it's taught me a little bit of patience, just yeah. to <laughs> have some patience to get through this and, you know, just, just really loving what you do and, and go into it with the right mindset. I mean, again, we go into it with the historical aspect, it, it, even if we never capture any paranormal activity, I'm still going to put together a video about the history, about the location. And to me, that is the most important part um, because the preservation of these locations is so important. I mean, you've got um, houses and, and these and, and, and hospitals and insane asylums that are being torn down on a daily basis. And it's sad. So these things have to have to be preserved not just for the paranormal but just for the the history of of our country of, of you know what if what has happened throughout our country and um so that to us is a very very big component of what we do um so i think I, I, that's you, you just really get an appreciation for these locations when you go in them and you spend a substantial amount of time you know outside of a day tour outside of just a drive-by and taking pictures when you really get into it and you immerse yourself in the history of it it just becomes so important to you um i can i can honestly say i love every location that we've been to mm -hmm. and, you know, if, if the if the curators call me back and say hey can you help us absolutely we're on board and uh that that to us is is, is actually very awesome well, i think that's very honorable trying yeah. to preserve history and people's stories. I think that's also a really important part of podcasting too, is just, you absolutely. know, getting those stories out there and everything. So oh, that's absolutely. Awesome. absolutely. Do you have any uh, social media or websites or anything you want to share with everybody so they sure. know where to find you? Absolutely. Well, again, we're Soul Sisters Paranormal, and uh, we do have a website, www.soulsistersparanormal.com, and you can find everything about us there. All of our videos are there. Um, you know, our upcoming investigations and our upcoming adventures are going to be posted there. Uh, we are on Facebook, very active on Facebook at Soul Sisters Paranormal, and then we have a YouTube channel, Soul Sisters Paranormal. Um, it's under that name as well. Awesome. Well, I thank you so much for coming on today. I appreciate it. I, I love every single one of your stories. Very Aww. cool. It's inspiring and makes me want to go out there and start exploring after all of this stuff goes away. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I, you know, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. And uh, I just, I just really appreciate all your support with this.